0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. And then uh, before we get into offering, uh, another announcement that I forgot to drop in there is uh, if you follow us on Instagram, if you're not, follow us. Um, But I posted this morning a story of what's happening with some pastors and some leaders and volunteers in Poland to help those in Ukraine. Um, And uh, they're stationed at a train station, of all things, uh, where people get off and uh, where they're trying to find a way out. Uh, They give uh, solutions. They give them either a train ticket to other places that they're trying to get to. Um, food comfort they give a space where uh, mothers because a lot of times it's mothers traveling by themselves because they have had priority in leaving um, give them space to um, to be with their kids and f- have their kids feel safe um, just there's a it's it's interesting to read the story and just see what the Nazarene church is doing and other churches we're not the only ones doing this um, but just so you guys can see the connectivity of kind of where our support goes when we can't be boots on the ground all over the world um, but our finances I know that's a scary thing to talk about in church, but it's what ultimately funds a lot of that stuff that happens in these places where serious conflict is happening right now, right, um, where people are just thrashed by war, and um, and so when I was reading that, I was like, I gotta post this, I gotta share this, and so um, if you guys have time after church, don't do it right now, all right, don't do it now, but after church, go to our, our um, story on Instagram, and you can click on there and click on that post and read it, um, just, I think there's something about being connected in one heart globally, right? Um, that the Holy Spirit connects us in beautiful ways. And so, I um, just want to encourage you to do that. Um, and then another thing, um, you guys have been driving me crazy, so I got to get out of here. I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to leave for, for two months. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm I'm trying to be obedient to what Scripture calls us to and what I see pastors and leaders do that I look up to that are modeling what it means to Sabbath well. Um, what it means to sabbatical well. So every seven years, um, Scripture talks about doing that. And so as a pastor, I'm going to be doing that, um, just so you guys know. Some of you guys already knew that, but I just want to officially let you guys know. And then after Easter, we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like and how you guys, uh, what that will be. And we'll have some guest speakers, one of them sitting in this room right over here somewhere. Um, And um, yeah, just excited to. to have that space and to be part of a church that supports that. And so thank you guys for that. But we'll get into details and everything later. But I just want to give you a heads up that that's what's happened May and June. So um, let's pray over our offering. Uh, We always do that because we don't pass a a basket or a bucket or anything like that anymore. It's all digital. So but we want to pray over it and be obedient to that. So, Lord, we just um, we recognize that you work through um, all parts of our lives um, including our finances, and, um, and so we just want to be good stewards as a church, as individuals uh, who follow you, Jesus, uh, to use the resources that you've given us, um, even the jobs you've given us, the families, the things that we've inherited maybe, um, all those things to be used for your glory, and so I just pray that um, you would continue to give us that heart, that desire um, to see your kingdom come here on earth um, as it is in heaven, as you prayed, uh, and as you taught us to pray. And uh, and so we just, I pray that you'd work through our finances in uh, miraculous ways and in supernatural, powerful ways that um, that only you can, God. Um, So we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. We are kicking into some Palm Sunday stuff. Um, I'm going to warn you, we're going to flip this on its head a little bit. Um, Matt already alluded to it, that the triumphal entry is uh, this is like kicks off Holy Week. This is Jesus riding in on a donkey. Maybe you're familiar with that story. Um, I'm going to hit on a little bit here. Um, But right off the bat, I want to tell you, we're going to flip it on its head. Um, It's not what you think it is, okay? Um, And sometimes the church has made it exciting, super happy, like, yeah, he's going in to crush it. Yeah, he is. But there's also a flip side to that story um, that we're going to hit on because this week is also Good Friday, and we're not going to do a Good Friday service that's going to be woven in today, hence the dark cross sitting here. It's kind of lit, but it's dark. It doesn't have flowers on it, and if you know what we do typically is we decorate the cross for Easter with flowers. Right now, it's dark, and this week is a time of contemplation, and this is why. We're going to dig into it a little bit. Um, so uh, if you have your Bibles, break them open. If not, they're going to be uh, the passages will be on the screen. Um, if you want to take notes on your phone, I didn't put the notes on the digital bulletin, but you can write them in your notes. Um, write down some of these things, these passages, these uh, these uh, truths that we're going to be digging into here um, as we dig into Holy Week. Um, my prayer is that when we gather together, that your soul is refreshed, that you're inspired, that you're encouraged. Um, and that you're not inspired by my words, but you're inspired by Scripture. So we're always going to be Scripture-heavy. You're going to see some passages um, that I hope speak to you, that I hope that refresh your soul, and that this isn't just a dark moment where we walk away going, dang, I suck, but we recognize um, really who Jesus is in the middle of this, okay? So that's our prayer. That's always our prayer when Matt and Chris and I meet during the week. Like we're just, We want to see this be a space where you guys are refreshed. So um, let's dig in. Um, so... Uh, Triumphal Entry, um, it's also known as Palm Sunday, Matt mentioned, like, this is where Jesus rides in on a donkey, and we are reminded what kind of king we worship, okay? I'm going to dig into that further in the message, but uh, we follow Jesus, and he is one of sacrifice, he is one of humility, meekness, and he demonstrates sacrificial love, Okay? Just gonna start off with that. Like he demonstrates what true love looks like. We know hot pink love in our world, right? We know like flashy love that is temporary, that is physical, that is uh, very visual. What Jesus demonstrates is what true love is. The word love has been distorted in our culture. And, like we gotta we gotta reestablish what true love is, and this is what we're gonna hit on. So, triumphal entry. Why? Why is it important? What's the big deal? Um, I want to show you the an image because we've been going through all these images as we've been going through Lent. Many of you guys have given things up for Lent. Uh, You're dying to yourselves in some ways for Lent of certain things. And the image this week is the triumphal entry, is Jesus cruising in. But it comes from this beautiful monastery. I like, if I'm going to go to any monastery in the world, I think I'm going to this one, okay? Maybe that's what I do on my sabbatical. I don't know. But (laughs) This is in Greece, and when I saw this, because I looked up where the image came from, it's in this building, uh, before I share it to you, Um, I want to set it up a little bit, that monks climbed this mountain and said, we need to put a place to worship God here, removed from everything, um, in this kind of beautiful location, and do you agree with that? Like, do you agree that this is a good place to worship God? Um, I was like, this is amazing. So this is the image that you see inside this building. Um, We've been going through iconography. We've been looking at these icons that describe who Jesus is, what he's about, and what he's doing. Um, We live in a culture, I mentioned this before, that um, we use images a little different. We got them on our phone, and they're constantly just like, we're inundated with images. Whereas art, hundreds of years ago, lived on a wall, lived in a painting, lived in a church building where you would go and you'd be inspired and you'd be in awe of the hard work that an artist put into it. We get a little inundated with art and stuff. So to look at this a couple hundred years ago, 16th century, right? People would have seen a story. They would have seen things unfold in this. There's layers that are in this. And if we could sit and just sit quietly and reflect, I'm sure you'd see things in there. That you'd go, oh, Wow, that's, that's powerful. That speaks to me. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack this passage a little bit because we're not going to have time just to sit and reflect. But this is Jesus riding in on a donkey. A king normally rode in on what? Stallion, right? Like the biggest, most powerful horse you could find. Um, Jesus walks in, and this is the day where he goes, and he grabs a donkey, hops on the donkey and rides in. One of the things that we see here is this humility, this example of like truly sacrificial love that says, "This is what I'm about. this is the kind of king I am." And I think the donkey right off the bat says a lot about it. it says a lot about who Jesus is, right? And um, as Jesus is riding in, I don't see that there was a lot of um, celebration. Matt mentioned that Hosanna is like crying out, save us, right? Um, we flip it quickly to the Easter story of save us, we're excited, you did save us, we we have victory, you know, he is our king. Um, but in this moment, what we have to sit with is the fact that people were questioning. You see people pointing, right? They're like, they're throwing down, they're like, coats, right? Because that was another thing that people would throw down. They'd take off their coat and throw it in front of the donkey as he was riding. They'd throw palm branches. All of those were ways of of showing royalty, right? Um, and so, him riding in, some people are confused, but some people are like, yeah, that's our king, Hosanna. He's going to save us. He's going to do something really miraculous right now. It's going to get really powerful. He's probably going to just overthrow Rome, and like, Rome's going to be crushed, right? Roman rule is gone. Um, but not so much. The heart of Jesus is riding in, knowing where he's going, right? Knowing, because he told his disciples, I'm going to lay down my life. Like, knowing where he's going, the posture of his heart is probably more on the side of somber. More on the side of, yeah, this is, like Matt said, a deep sigh, like, this is what I'm going to have to go through. This isn't, this isn't all that it's cracked up to be, Right? But the way through this, the way of true royalty, the way of a true king is humility. That's why I'm riding in on a donkey. That's why I'm riding in without an entourage of swords and a battalion that can fight, right? He comes in with humility. What makes um, this whole thing sound difficult is some of the passages that we read that Jesus taught his disciples. So check this out. In, um, in a lot of conversations that Jesus has with his disciples, he says this phrase, take up your, what? Cross. So when he's talking to his disciples, he's teaching them what's most important. And the most important thing is he says, take up your Cross. And that day, a cross would have meant what? Death. Doesn't sell. This is not a good sales pitch, right? Like, if, you, if someone came and we didn't know all this story and said, like, hey, I got this really cool thing. You're going to have to die. You'd be like, yeah, I'm out. I'm good, right? Like, and I think that the sale, sales pitch just needs to be revamped. Like, I think Jesus probably should have fired his... Um, his brand manager, maybe his marketing team, like, started over, like, this isn't working, this is not a good call. Um, There's an image that I threw in there of, like, what it means to be a successful brand manager. you got to have good strategy. you got to look at the advantages and the disadvantages. And I think that most people, when they heard this marketing scheme that Jesus brought, said, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, that doesn't doesn't resonate with my agenda. Like I like to be able to like have this like life and fun and good things like profit up into the right. You know, like it should be great. Like life should be good. Health should always be amazing. Like that would sell. But that's not the Jesus that we worship, right? It's different. The message that he brought is completely different. 23 occurrences in the New Testament say, take up your cross and follow me. Luke 9, 23, here's an example of it. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, here's the sales pitch, get ready. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh man, that, like sign me up, I'm in, right? Like that's just not the approach. It goes on. So just to give you guys a little bit of a, a glimpse into this message, um, but also how powerful it can be. So watch what happens here. Galatians 2.20. This is Apostle Paul talking. Um, He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And in the message, I love how how Eugene Peterson phrases it. He says, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. When he talks about the Christian life, like this, like follow me, deny yourself, like really difficult sales pitch, right? Um, I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Whoa, like that doesn't sell. Ego in our culture says like, it's all about you. Take care of yourself. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. And notice how he doesn't say like to impress you all. It's more of like to impress God. Like I'm not here to impress God. I'm here just to live uh, uh, or to impress others, sorry. Um, but he, and then he goes on. And he says, uh, "Before you and have a good opinion." And I am no longer driven to impress to God to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine. Oh, where did it go? I'm sorry. Uh, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me laid down his life, sacrificed his life for me. So he says, I'm going to do the same exact thing that he did for me because I see that there's truth and power in that. It goes on, John talks about this because John interacted a lot, one of the disciples, with Jesus. And in 1 John 3.16, it says, this is, uh, sorry, let me go back. Um, he says, that joy is my, that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. So based on John's interaction with Jesus, he understood that like he must become greater, I must become less. My agenda has to begin to take the back seat. Um, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This passage in 1 John 3.16, uh, right before that, he goes and gives like, this direction of like how to live this lifestyle of following Jesus. He says, if you see a need, meet a need, essentially. He sees that it's not about my own needs, it's about the needs of other people. Um, that was a phrase that my buddy Jimmy used to always say. See a need, meet a need. I mean, it's like a military thing, I don't know. But see a need, meet a need. And that was the heart of Jesus. That was the heart that he imparted on his disciples of a constantly, if you're walking around and you see something else, somebody else struggling, you help them. Um, the passage before this talks about if you see a, a brother that's in need of clothing, shelter, whatever, and you do nothing about it, your faith is, means nothing, right? And he says, like, you need to engage in your faith that says, I'm going to care about other people. I'm going to lift up others more than myself. I'm going to put on the priorities of God more than my own priorities. So back to the triumphal entry. This is the heart that he has going into this of lay down my life. It's not a, like, yeah, awesome, we're going to crush it. Like, I got this. It's, this is going to be difficult. This, is, this isn't easy. This is going to be a heavy challenge. And we see the government respond right after this. And they kind of say, oh, you, you want him to save you? Let's see what happens. We're going to throw him up on a cross. Let's see what happens. You guys think, you think that this is a king, like he rides in on a donkey. They almost like laugh at him in a way, right? And mock him. And so this process of him going to the cross, we understand was not an easy process. It was the government saying, yeah, we'll show you real power. Like the power that we have with a crown of thorns, with some lashings, with a cross where you're going to die a slow death. That's power. Like we have real power. And I'm sure there's people watching going, yeah, the, actually, the, you should fear the Roman government. Like, they're, they're no joke. But then there's probably others going, but Jesus told us about something that was bigger than all this, right? So they must have been scratching their heads. There's a reason why some of the disciples scattered and were, like, confused and, like, what do we do? Like, this doesn't make sense to us, right? And that's what happens on Good Friday. And so, like I said, we're mashing a little bit of this Palm Sunday triumphal entry with Good Friday and what happens during this week. And what we want to do is reflect on that this week. Um, I know that's heavy to begin to sit with it already, but there's a sense that we've discovered the truth of what Jesus is all about as we begin to really realize what is happening, what he's really doing in laying down his life. The sacrifice, the kind of love that he demonstrates So what's up with the death and the sacrifice? Like, why does that have to happen? Why do we see this take place this week? Why does Jesus have to go this way? That might be a question you're asking. Maybe you've never asked that. Maybe you've just been around it and assumed, like, yeah, this is what, like, the Christian story is all about. Like, Jesus had to die in order to show power over death and conquer that. And then there's a resurrection, and we just focus on the resurrection. Um, But I want to just spend a little bit of time going, why does he do this? Like, why does he enter into this? This way of riding on a donkey with humility and then being arrested, being beaten, being strung up on a cross. Like, why would you enter into that? Like, why is that, like, his mindset? Why is that his heart or his posture continually? Um, and um, and it, it begs to ask the question of, like, why do we call it Good Friday? There's nothing good about that. Everything in, like, from an outsider looking in, that sounds really bad, right? Like, that sounds really dark, demented twisted, Um, but I believe that there's two things that I see as I study scripture, and as I I begin to see uh, what Jesus is teaching, um, is that this is woven into all of creation, that this way of sacrifice is woven into all of creation, that sacrifice doesn't happen, uh, or life doesn't happen without sacrifice, that there isn't this kind of life, and that's why we're in like springtime, right, whereas like seeds that have died now bring life, that now we see flowers as a result of the death of that seed. Um, That analogy is used by Jesus. like He he describes that. Um, And so in order to experience life, I think there has to be some death. And some of you that are uh, fasting during this season, I'm sure you're experiencing some micro deaths where you're like, man, I'm dying to myself right now because I really want to either be on social media or eat this food or whatever and you're learning that there's a bit of a death that happens but then there's also a bit of life right that we discover in dying to ourselves and dying to those, those desires and those things that we want we, def- we find life we find time with God we find that that can be very much um, soothing to our soul or the, the thing that we really crave after um, so There has to be a death in order for there to be life. And Jesus states it. And he says in John 12, he says, uh, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and what? And dies, it remains only a single seed. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their, their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Laying down of our lives. There's a sacrifice that has to happen in order for life to exist. Um, He uses that analogy because I think it's something we all understand. That without that death, there is no life. Um, That has to take place in order for life to, to happen. You've probably all experienced this in some way when you give a gift to somebody else, maybe for their birthday or just because you love them. It costs you, right? That's a micro example of what this is happening. And I think it's woven into all of creation for a reason because we understand that. That when you see someone in need, that's not easy to serve them. I think sometimes we make it sound like, oh, yeah, it's like fun to give and be generous and all this thing. But it costs you, right? Like, you have to sit there at some point, unless it's you're just giving out of, like, excess and it's too easy for you. Then you should probably be giving more and, like, be helping and loving people more. But if you're helping people, it costs us, right? Like, as parents, we know that. An analogy that Matt brought up, too. It's like, there's times where it's difficult, but we do that because we want to see them do well in life. We love them. We love our children. Like, we, we sacrifice our time, money, effort, energies, all those things to see them succeed. There has to be a bit of a death on our part in order for life to experience, be experienced on their part. And, um, and so I think Jesus, like it's woven into all of who we are. And the second part is I think that this is the hard part for us to swallow and maybe hard for us to hear right now is that our sin demanded it. That our darkness, the sin that exists in our world, demanded it. It demanded that death. And that we are participants in that still today that we put Jesus on the cross by the ways that we live, right? Our darkness, our sin, our brokenness brings more of that death that exists. Um, and and I know that's a tough pill to swallow, but the Jewish council demanded it, right? Um, sure, Pontius Pilate allowed it. Like, he was a participant in that. Um, but the dark evil exists around us all um, that put him on the cross is from us. Like we we are participants in that as well at times. Um, and, and I think understanding that and understanding what took place that maybe we would have been just as complicit as all those people were in stringing him to the cross. That we might have been like, yeah, I don't know about this, but yeah, go for it because I don't want to stand out. I don't want to. I don't want to get caught in the middle of this. And I think that's kind of the the deciding factor of like, are we part of God's kingdom that is about love, that is about sacrifice, that is about dying to ourselves so that others may experience life? Or are we part of a kingdom that says, look out for number one, do whatever you can to step on other people in order to be successful in your own world? It's just, it's so polarizing, right? Pontius Pilate even had a moment where he could have been like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, we don't need to go about that way. Like, we don't need to kill this guy. But he was like, yeah, if that's what they want, let's go for it. I'm going to demonstrate my own power. I have that ability to do that. And I think there's a piece of that in all of us where we doubt the kingdom of God and the power and the, where the true power lies that we just don't fully buy into it. We don't fully commit to it and surrender to it. And that's like the second part of why this darkness exists, why that had to be a death that took place on Jesus' part, Um, that we wouldn't believe him if he came and said, I'm powerful with a sword and with a stallion. We'd be like, cool, you're another king like all the rest. But because he came on a donkey and because he came and laid down his life, we understand that he has power over something bigger than any king that's ever existed in in this realm, right, in this world. He demonstrated what true power looks like. And the only way that we believe that is if there was death. Because death demonstrates not only our brokenness, that we put him there, but it also demonstrates his power over it. And we're not going to jump to that story yet. This is the beginning of the story. We can't jump to Easter quite that fast. But we're going to sit with this a little bit. The fact that the king that people wanted is different than the king that ended up on a cross. The king that people wanted had power. The king that people wanted would come and solve all their problems and make everything go away and and allow them to be triumphant and have that power over everybody else. But Jesus says, no, if you're going to come follow me, we're going to go this way. This is how we're going to go about true change in this world. This is how we go in our kingdom. This is how we operate. And so people threw down palm branches They thought that everything's going to work out in their favor. But then they discovered that the real kind of royalty lies in righteousness, right? The real kind of royalty is in the power of Jesus. There wasn't going to be economic prosperity. It was going to be humility. It was going to be generosity, right? The generosity that Jesus demonstrates on the cross is powerful, It was not going to be pride or power, but it was going to be humility and meekness. Jesus knew what kind of king we needed. Jesus knew what would truly transform our lives. More money wasn't going to do it. More power wasn't going to do it. More pride wasn't going to do it. Humility is what truly transforms our world. And that's why we see the power of God at work, and the reason why many of you probably are sitting here is because somebody demonstrated that humility, that generosity, that kind of love, and you went, yeah, that's way more beautiful than what I see this world doing. Yeah, that is way more powerful than what I see other people doing to step on others to get to the top. And so again, um, the entry wasn't easy. I don't think him riding in was an easy stroll in. I don't think he was riding in with like, yeah, we got this. It was like a this is going to be tough. But it's ultimately the way through to show what life looks like, true life. We've been doing this practice of uh, Camino Divina. So it's like this road, this practice, this actually walking the road of, um, of what Jesus invites us into, um, this divine practice. Um, and so, What I want us to do in participating, because I've said this the last few weeks, is like we're not just going to spectate and listen, but we're going to participate. And how we're going to participate today is we're going to spend some time reflecting on the cross. Not super long. We only have a few minutes. But what I want to do is we're going to reflect on the fact that there had to have been a bit of a death in order for there to be life. There has to be a death in our lives in order for there to be life. Um, there had to have been that sacrifice in order for us to see what true life looks like. Um, and for, for Jesus to conquer death, it required this, the sacrifice. Um, God went through such a great length to demonstrate that love. Um, and many of you have been fasting, so you understand what it means to die to ourselves. this season. Um, Hopefully it's not just for this season. Hopefully it continues on. But we learn to die to ourselves in order to allow Christ to be glorified in us, for Christ to be the priority, him to be the thing that we focus on with our entire lives. And so what I want to do is reflect on the cross and the brokenness and the ways, the contrast between the two. That We have to recognize there is two different ways of going about this. And the darkness of the cross shows that there is humility, that there is sacrifice, um, generosity is required, that we need to step into that. And so, I want to show you guys this poem by Jason Petty. His uh, his like I guess spoken word name is Propaganda, but um, I want you guys to listen to this spoken word that I believe captures. What happens here as we go into this week, as we go into Good Friday, as we go into this time where um, Jesus demonstrates this sacrifice, and, uh, and I think it would be good to reflect on it, reflect on it this week, um, and, and sit with it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to play that. At the end of that, um, just, we're going to have the lights low, and we're just going to invite you just to leave Um, and leave this space with contemplation, with reflection, um, in honor and respect of what took place, right? Um, To begin to reflect on truly what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why it's dark. That's why it will continue to remain dark until Easter. So reflect on this spoken word.
1: It was a Friday, early morning, while the sun was still sleeping, Jesus was cheated, arrested for no reason but treason in men's hearts. And just like that, it starts, it was an unjust Friday, six trials, nothing sticking, priests punching, judges kicking, slinging lies at infinity, beating down on divinity who by grace did not speak. Obedient, meek. It was a painful Friday as daylight tumbled in, whips ripped the skin of the one who healed a thousand wounds, the one whose soul was right and true, left in shreds for something he did not do. It was an ugly Friday, the clawing crowd, when given a choice let villain fly in single voice. But when Jesus' name was lifted high, could find no word but crucify, crucify. It was a bloody Friday filled with nails and wood and a man who would do what God only could, arms open wide, good enough to die for the very people who hung him out and bled him dry. It was a dark Friday. A shout to the sky, a spear in the side, two Marys start to cry as angry earth trembles and black clouds swell quietly. Jesus goes through hell, dying in our place, dying well. On Friday, Good Friday. How is it a day of such evil and pain ever got the word good in its name? day of infamy, human villainy when the world showed off its most evil face because there in that blood-stained place when they pulled the body down like seed to ground the author of life sprouted roots of grace that would once and for all save the human race this victory death a complete surprise as demons and devils with fear in their eyes realized that once a perfect man died The law was finally satisfied. No more striving, no more trying, no more guilt, no more dying. The man who lived the way we should died the way only God could. And that's why we call this Friday good. The day Christ fell is the day mercy stood. So hold your faith, lift your praise, and remember, as good as Friday is, Easter is still on the way. Hope rising forever in three more days. Three more days.